on 89.9 the light you're in conversation with clayton and joining me via the wonders of zoom is diane spicer she is from breakthrough we're going to hear a bit more about what that is in a couple of moments time diane thanks so much thanks oh it's great to be here clayton thanks for having me it's wonderful having you on and we have got so much to talk about of uh, what your life has involved in terms of how you have put yourself in places to help others. Um, and I'm guessing stretch yourself to do that as we go through. We are going to get into that. We're going to end up talking about this incredible work uh, that you're a part of with Breakthrough. So before we start at all, maybe the, the 20, 30 second summary of what Breakthrough is, and then we'll come back and explore it a bit more later. I guess Breakthrough is a place. It's I started my own business a few years ago, just providing safe spaces for people to come. So I focus on creatives, artists, they come and they have a safe place to really dig deep into what, who God created them to be and are they using those gifts to their potential. And I do the same with business coaching. So I work for a group called Halftime and we do the same thing. It's all about getting people to really stop and look in the mirror and giving them a safe space to do that and say, am I living up to my potential in whatever I'm doing? Yeah, it's great. Now, you you did mention, you know, faith there as a part of that. Uh, Take us a a bit on a a journey of what does faith mean for you? And, um, you know, where did that start? And and where do you sit with that now? Right. Wow. Well, I grew up in Queens, New York, you probably heard the accent a little bit. And if you have seen the movies, The Godfather and My Big Fat Greek Wedding, well, if you take those two movies and kind of put them together, <laughs> you have a pretty good idea of the family that I grew up in. All right. Um, look, it was loud. It was big. It was Italian, American, Catholic family. And whatever stereotypical picture you just got, um, it's probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess at the age of 17, I, I took my first step on the corporate ladder in New York City. And I very quickly worked my way up. Uh, making it all the way to director of a multi-million dollar toy company. And I had ticked all the boxes um, that you're supposed to fulfill to, you know, we're going to fulfill this American dream. You're going to become somebody. And before the age of 30, I was making ridiculous amounts of money. And just on this treadmill of working my way to the top, the top of what, I don't know what, (laughs) because you never really get what is the top and where is it and what is it? Um, but again, eventually I hit the proverbial brick wall. And it was at that point that I really had to look deep in not just what I was doing, but who I was. Who am I and what's really at the core of who I am? And that's where my faith journey really came to an impasse. And I had to face the fact that I hated going to Catholic mass. It was just a thing for me. I'm not saying anything against the Catholics, but it's like for me at that time in my life, there was abuse going on. There was all kinds of um, deep seated hurts and pains and wounds. And um, I had to really find out who this Jesus was. And I wanted to know myself, not because somebody else told me. So that's how the journey started. Yeah. And and what, what resolution did you get to as you, you understood who this Jesus was? Well, look, I, um, I have to explain it by telling you a little story. So I had, again, American dream, married to an Australian man, two beautiful children, the nanny, the maid, the big house, 
but deep down inside behind that glamorous mask of success and you know this lifestyle there was this volcano happening my son was eight weeks old he was diagnosed with whooping cough and double pneumonia and the doctors told us he was not going to survive mm. all the money in the world all the knowledge i had all of the experience could not heal him so it was on the hospital on the floor in that hospital room in icu that i got down on my knees and i cried out to this god that i knew about but i never knew and uh personally and i just said if you're real um take my life i don't want to live take alex's life you know this is this suffering is too hard and what wound up happening in a way that I could only explain it in natural words was um, I just felt this peace, this blanket of peace come over me and I fell asleep on the floor in the hospital room. Mm. And if you knew me at that point, you'd know, there's no way I would even touch the hospital floor. You know? <laughs> so, so this was something supernatural happening. And I was just face down on the floor in ICU. And I woke up a couple of hours later with doctors and nurses crashing into the room I looked over at my son, he was not in the incubator. And I thought, oh, he's dead, he's gone. And he was in an, in an African-American's nurse's arms. And she's saying, praise the Lord, Jesus healed your son. And I'm cursing. I had a very colorful language back then. <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, what is going on here? Um, and the doctors are telling her to shut up. There was so much commotion. And all I knew was that I looked over and, and he was breathing on his own. And that's what this, that encounter, I didn't know that God was in the room with it. I felt it was just like this peace that I knew that everything was going to be all right. So it was, and then that began a journey after I took him home three days later, completely healed. He's now a beautiful 26 year old young man, healthy and strong. And, um, but that in the last 26 years, I had to really, take this journey of faith. I got a Bible for the first time in my life because we were taught you can't touch a Bible. You're a woman mm -hmm. and only a holy priest can, can have the Bible. So I went and snuck a Bible <laughs> and got, got one and started reading it. And, um, and my life has changed since then. Yeah. Just incredible. Okay. Um, Diane, it's, you know, one of those aspects of, as we look at, you know, I just look at your life on paper since then. And I go, clearly something happened because the life that you've chosen to live since that time mm -hmm. um, is quite different from the life of that corporate executive who's just about getting to this never-ending top. Um, yeah. Take us through some of those moments um, that you have stepped into because it really does feel like you've You've said, all right, th this, this life is now going to be about helping other people rather than about helping myself. Have, have I summarized that fairly? Was that a, actually something that was you know, clarified for you or a choice you made? Oh, look, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's 26 years and I'm still on the journey. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess, I guess because of that encounter, something really deep um, yeah, there, there was something that I knew I could not explain in the natural. And it was this curiosity that was poured into me. I could not, it was this absolute hunger and thirst for the truth. 
Now, up until that point, I was living a lie. I mean, I had been sexually abused as a child. I was addicted to cocaine. I was using, you know, all anything and everything I could to, you know, even even work, you know, the workaholism, all of that was all in an effort to mask the pain that I never dealt with all those years. So for 30 years, um, I had so much trauma in my life and there was all kinds of things that happened growing up that I never, I just pushed down and I put on this everything's fine mask. That's what I call it. It's like, how are you going? Yeah, I'm fine. Meanwhile, you know, and then every week at Catholic school, we'd go to confession. And, you know, I don't know if you know about Catholic confession, but, you know, we go in these little dark boxes and, you know, the, the screen opens up and the priest is on the other side and he says, you know, confess your sins. Now, meanwhile, all this stuff is going on and I could never speak. I couldn't, I couldn't get the words out. I so wanted to tell him what was going on and the reality of what was going on in my world, but I, I just couldn't get the words out because of the shame and all of that. So from that encounter, it began slowly. Over a three-year period, I just read the word of God and I, then the question started doesn't say I, it says that Jesus, I can, Jesus forgives me. Wait, I don't have to go to the priest. So there was all of these contradictions of what I was being taught and then finding the truth in the word. And then I would go to the church and ask the questions. I wasn't always welcomed <laughs> as you can imagine, but it was just an experience of learning what, who God really is, mm. not who do you say God is? And then I just accept it. But I had to go on this journey myself and find out who Jesus was for real for myself. And that's, yeah. And in doing that, my, all of that selfishness just went away. Yeah. It just yeah. kind of went away. But the first place he took me, you know, I heard that, you know, you're supposed to become a missionary. Okay. Cause I went back to a, into a Dutch reformed church which is where I, my daughter was in daycare. And they told me the best, the best way thing you can do is become a missionary. Yeah. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'll become a missionary. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Because I was in that corporate lifestyle. I was, I was traveling the world. So it didn't matter. I'll go anywhere. The first place he took me right into my own heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take you on a missions trip right into your own heart. So let's look at that unforgiveness and let's look at that. Um, the need for you to get numb. What, what is, and I just thought, no, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want it. Yeah. But it yeah. was the very thing that I needed. It was the very thing that set me free. Yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. And I, I started recovery ministries um, because I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> but well, 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 let's come back and talk a bit about some of those things that you have been involved in, because I think that helps also understand how you, you're now uh, with Breakthrough and what that is all about. So we're going to cover the next stage of Diane's life in just a moment here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and the author of the book Unmasked, as well as uh, her work with Breakthrough, Diane Spicer is with me. Diane, it's uh, wonderful. We've been hearing a bit of your journey over in uh, New York and, and what it meant to be at the, the top of the corporate ladder 
uh, understanding and realizing in the midst of you know despair when your son looked like he was going to die, the, the prayers you prayed uh, to Jesus, and then a life change that occurred. Uh, you were mentioning just a couple of moments ago about this idea that you thought, right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be a missionary. Uh, that's, the, that's the next thing I'm supposed to do. And God said, right, the first journey has to be into yourself and understanding forgiveness and those sorts of things. But in the end, you, you did actually end up uh, working in, in missionary type work in a number of different places. Could you, you share some of those with us? Yeah. Look, um, so the first thing I did while still in New York was um, the more I read the Bible, the more I was convicted of my own sin. It was so easy in, at that time in my life to be pointing the finger at everybody else, looking at everybody else and seeing how they're not doing this and they're not doing that, but never addressing what was in my own heart. So as I began to do that, and as I, I, I went to um, a Dutch Reformed church and I started hearing about grace and I started hearing about um, getting healing from emotional pain and, and sexual abuse and addictions. And I'm thinking, wow, there's really hope. There really is hope that this is not who I am, that there's another version of me somewhere. <laughs> and I had to find that other version. And the version was, you know, getting into the scriptures and seeing who God created me to be. It was almost like when you buy a new car, you get a car manual. And I started to use the Bible as the manual for my life, because my life was so out of control and it was all, you know, smoke and mirrors. So I, you know, I, I just went, okay, I need to get my feet back on the ground. I need to get rid of this, these addictions. I need to start learning how to be in relationship with others. And I, I joined a 12 step group. And the next thing, you know, God is just giving me these messages around the, the biblical comparisons to the 12 steps and I connected with a group at Saddleback Church in California at the time and before Celebrate Recovery even was a thing. And, you know, God just led me. I mean, I'm in New York. I'm one end of the, the States and he's in California. And the next thing, you know, we, we're talking on the phone and then he published Celebrate Recovery and I launched it in New York while he was launching it in California. And um, it was all about gathering groups of people and providing safe places for people to come and just worship and to have an encounter for themselves. There was no um, judgment. You came as you were. And there was no questions about what denomination are you from? Do you do this or do you do that? It was everyone's welcome. And that stirred a lot of <laughs> that stirred a lot of people up because, you know, some people were coming on their motorcycles with leather jackets and other people were coming in their corporate suits. And, um, you know, and some people were coming in completely drunk or homeless, but we were welcoming everyone. And in the process of God healing me, it was almost like a flowing that he healed me and it was going through to other people. Whatever I received, I was giving out. And that became, I guess, my life. And I, I did that for seven years. Um, it was the most amazing experience to just see God working. It wasn't what I, sh I showed up. Yes, I had to show up. I had to lead. I had to use the gifts that God's given me to create this ministry. But at the same time, it was all about him. He was at the center of it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, lives were changed. 
you know, Clayton, I could, I could talk to you and I could try to persuade you to do things. But when you have an encounter with the real Jesus, yeah. um, you will change regardless. <laughs> yeah. Not because I'm telling you to. So, yeah. So recovery ministry did that for seven years and then also had what was called the fisherman's net, which was um, it was actually a a place for leaders of ministries and pastors and worship leaders to come together and to receive ministry as well. And did that for a couple of years. And then we moved here as a family to Australia. We really felt that God was leading us here. Uh, My ex-husband is from here and his whole family's here. And um, look, we just, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey to say the least. Um, But I was here for two years, talk about culture shock. You're going from New York city and we moved to a little town called Tilden (laughs) outside of Mount Macedon (laughs) up in the country. And um, yeah, I mean, my, our neighbors gave us three chooks for a welcoming present. Welcome to Australia. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what a chook is (laughs) until I open the box and there's (laughs) live animals. And I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with these? (laughs) So welcome to Australia. Um, yeah, lots of funny stories about just even the language. Yeah. I know Australians speak English, but it's not the same as New York English. So just yeah. there's so many great little stories. And, you know, if you get my book, you'll, you'll, you'll read yeah. more about the little d- stories and details. But I was here a few years and I really um, was just focused on getting my family, I guess, settled. And we bought a house and getting the kids in school and all of that. And it was just a fantastic time for rest for me. And then it came to that point where I started to getting a little bit restless and I felt the Lord was saying, okay, it's time to get back into ministry again. All right, I'll just take a part-time job. And I applied for an admin position in a school. And I thought, oh, that'd be great. What I didn't know was that the school was a TAFE school inside of a prison. (laughs) (laughs) And that's another funny story um, because I actually got pulled over by the police and got escorted to the interview (laughs) (laughs) because of the way I was driving. But anyway, um, look, I I started work at, at Malmesbury Juvenile Justice Center. And the minute I sat down in that chair, my role was to interview every prisoner that came in. And these were young men, 18 to 25 years old, that were absolutely broken. Mm. They were broken. And I looked beyond all the toughness and the tattoos and whatever, okay? And behind them, I saw my broken heart all those years earlier. Mm. And I knew that God had me there for a reason, to give them hope and to give them even just a little bit of hope to say, hey, you you could be somebody that that's different to who you are today. And the first thing was my accent was, was, a, was a real door opener, to be honest, because they, they'd say, where are you from? And I'd say, I'm from New York. And they'd go, oh, that's so cool. Do you know Tupac? And do you know <laughs> And I'm thinking, I don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> but, but it just opened up. Then I said, no, God sent me here. And they'd be like, what do you mean God sent you here? Yeah. And that would just open up this conversation. And, um, and yeah, it was so three years there. And then I say I got promoted to the men's maximum security prison and began um, d- delivering and developing life skill programs for men in their last six months of their, their term, prison term, and on their way out. Mm. So what's going to happen when you get out? Will you be ready? 
how can we help you with just life skills? Yeah. And and we're talking basic cooking skills, um, how to have relationships with people, how to go on a job interview, um, real basic stuff, but all biblically um, based. But you know, we didn't use the Bible in there, but it was yeah. all it was all biblical principles. Yeah. yeah. Just incredible. Um, the author of the book Unmasked is with me, Diane Spicer. We're going to be back to talk more about that. As you've been hearing her whole story, you understand these masks that she has to keep taking off herself um, as she understands. So what insights are there for us? What ideas are there for us out of this? We're going to put that towards Diane next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and Diane Spicer. She is the author of Unmasked. We've been hearing her story. It's really a, a sort of a spiritual autobiography um, of taking masks off, what it means, um, whether it was the sexual abuse she had as a child, whether it was understanding the, the corporate life she was a part of and the value or lack of value that might have been there, whether it was understanding what faith was for her as she grew up and, and having to take different masks off to understand who she truly was. Um, Diana, I know that you've, you know, you've got a whole lot of different work that you're involved in now as well. We've covered off on just some of it. There's other, plenty of other things that you're involved in and maybe you'll share as we go through now. But I suppose the key I want to talk to you about is that it seems like a lot of the work that you have done, whether it be in the prisons, uh, whether it be with the work that you're doing now with Halftime or Breakthrough, whatever it might be, is about allowing people to take off a mask allowing people to come in and understand who they truly are. Do all of us carry masks? Are some of us better at not having masks on naturally, you think, than others? Yeah. Yeah, look, I think we all wear masks at one point or another in our lives. And, and sometimes we have to put them on to protect ourselves. I mean, that's, that's a given. But, but when, we, when the mask becomes part of your identity, that's when there's the issue. Mm. You know, I could walk into a room and and feel like, you know, feel shame or feel guilt or something because I've seen somebody else in that room and 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 put on that mask that everything's fine. It may not be the right place to share what's going on in my life. So that's okay. But when when I wear a mask and I keep saying everything's fine, we're deep down inside when I'm alone, I'm having suicidal thoughts, I'm feeling depressed or I walk in my door after a nine to five job and I just become another person. <laughs> you know, the Bible is all about authenticity. It's all about being Christ-like. And if we can focus, it's kind of like a conductor in an orchestra. We don't tune um, instruments to each other in an orchestra. We tune our instrument to the conductor because if we all tune our instruments to the conductor, then we're all in tune, right? If we tune to each other, if I'm trying to become like Clayton because he does such an amazing job on the radio and I just want to do that, but I'm not really wired for that, then that's what I'm calling a mask, right? So, I mean, as I used to wear the family mask, you know, our family's better than your family. <laughs> well, well, what are we really? <laughs> like, there's so much hidden. And, you know, one of the sayings that I grew up with was, what happens in these four walls stays in these four walls. Mm -hmm. Now, I know we all have family stuff that happens, but what if, we, what if we provided a place where you could come and talk about 
the dysfunctional stuff in your family, and it's received just as well as the good stuff in your family. Yeah. Because we all have it. And I think if we, if we, the more we provide that safe space to say, hey, I'm hurting, don't fix me. I don't want your advice. Don't tell me to read more, pray more, throw a Bible verse at me. Just accept the fact that I'm hurting and welcome me. Like that's what, that's what I longed for. And that's what I was blessed to find um, in, in my early days of faith. And I knew that I needed to provide that for others. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I, I love that description that if the mask is our identity, that's when we've got the issue. I, I've never had it quite framed like that. I think it's beautiful, Diana, mm-hmm. and, and because I think at times we say, oh, you shouldn't wear masks. But actually, as you said, it's appropriate to wear a mask at times. It's, it's, it's appropriate. As someone who's a, a you know, serial oversharer at times, I've had to learn to actually deliberately put masks on and say, no, what, everyone wants to know everything about me right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there are times with that. The question I suppose I, that I, I have then is, um, is there a skill in putting a mask on and off? Um, how do we develop a skill um, to say, actually, it's appropriate to put it off, on now. Um, I don't want it to, to become my identity completely. So I need to take it off at, at times. Is there anything in your journey and travels that you've realized how we can do that? Yeah, look, I think that's a tough one. I think, I think right from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve put on a fig leaf because they were shamed. So, um, and then God was looking for them, you know, and they were hiding right from the beginning. So I think it's part of our nature to hide the, we call them the bad things, you know, the hard things, the, you know, addictions that we have or, or, or thoughts that we have that we, you know, other people might find, you know, or particularly in some Christian circles, um, you know, they may, they may judge us or they may, or they may even reject us. So we hold it back in rather than giving it a voice, rather than getting the healing that we need. You know, I always say to people like get healed before you speak, (laughs) you know, because, because sometimes we, sometimes, yes, we need that place to just go and vent. That's one thing, but we also need to present ourselves in a way that's healed there's a difference between um, what's that saying? Wounded. We would love you to become a wounded healer rather than an unhealed wounder. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of unhealed wounders out there doing it in the name of Jesus um, and or religion. You know, I mean, for so many years I went, I went to church, but nothing happened because I wasn't dealing with, I wasn't becoming Christ-like. I wasn't allowing the Holy Spirit in me to change me and to transform me into who he made me to be. Yeah. Uh, Circumstances made. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's probably it too, isn't it? That with God, we can always be unmasked. Um, In fact, that that's back to your authenticity sort of comments, isn't it? That, Mm -hmm. that actually that is the place that we need to constantly be unmasked with ourselves and with God. They're, They're the places that we never have to wear a mask and we can start, as you said, becoming healed from that to then uh, go out and, and, and bless others as we go through. Yeah. Uh, um, Diane, I, I'm, I'm fascinated also by your current work. You know, as you said, you, you, you're working with Halftime, which is an organization of people who say, look, I'm about halfway through my life. What's my purpose? Where, where's, the, where's the aim here? What, what do I, I aim for and, and search into? And often it might happen to be people who are in business and they're trying to find understanding. And also this aspect of 
the the art world and understanding creativity through breakthrough um they they might seem opposed for some people but for you it's a very natural mix too how do you find that work in terms of that filter of masking as well yeah look i think no matter what we're doing we all have that commonality in who we are as human beings and creativity we were created by a creator. <laughs> so we all have creativity in some form. Now I may use my creativity to, to um, develop a business plan, or I may use my creativity to paint or to do photography. So really what I'm doing is I'm tapping into people's hearts, really. It's really about getting to the root and getting to the heart. So whether you're an artist that's kind of bound up and can't, you know, you've got lots of things going on and, and you just really, your creativity is not flowing. Well, let's start asking what I use is called the five whys. Why are you feeling like that? Well, you know, I don't know. I just couldn't get out of bed this morning. Okay, why? Number two. Well, I don't know. I just wasn't why. And you ask five whys and usually by the time you get to the fifth one, they're going, oh, I can't believe that's what it is. <laughs> it's such a simple technique yeah. but that someone used on me and, and it gets down to the root because I think the challenge for a lot of us in, in church, in the church world today is we deal with the symptoms. It's like, you know, take an aspirin for a headache, but if you don't deal with what's causing the headaches, um, you'll be taking aspirin for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, God wants us to be healed. He wants us to live whole. He wants us to know who he created us to be, what our gifts are, what our talents are, and why he put us on this planet today at this time. Yeah. You, know, you have a very specific position and role, Clayton, um, and God designed you to be that way. You were born for a time such as this now. And are you using that position to expand the kingdom because when you're doing that, you're living your best life too. Yeah. And you, you get blessed. It's, it, I can't believe nobody told me about this earlier. <laughs> you know, I, um, I'm now 60 and I'm going, wow, it's taken me 60 years to get this. Because yeah. um, when, when you said before, you know, that God does the unmasking, he does not do it in a way to shame us or condemn us in any way. It's a journey. It's a journey of this little, I call them niggles. It's this little uncomfortable feeling that you know it's not right, but you know, and you keep pushing it aside and <laughs> I'll deal with that later, um, whether it's in a relationship or, or at work or whatever ministry you're doing. But you know what, as soon as you, I've learned, deal with it quick, deal with it. Because the, the quicker you deal with it, it opens up a door to something that you never thought was possible. Mm. I'm walking and so people say to me, how do you do all of this? I don't know. I really don't. I wake up in the morning and I just go, what have you got for me today? And it's amazing. It's amazing how um, the, God's favor and, and the, the doors that open up and, and the different ways, the miracles that happen and the, and the lives that are being changed genuinely, not just we're going to change lives, you know? Okay. So how we, what, how are you going to change lives? What does that look like? Are you helping the prisoner that's coming out of prison tomorrow? Are you helping your neighbor that just had a stroke? Are you helping, you know, what are you doing to be Christ-like? 
Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think that whole, there's a lot I could say about that religious mask. Yes. I learned to wear, I learned to wear it. And um, the going to church, the doing religious duties, the looking holy, when you know deep down inside you're not. And um, the, the good news is that when you actually put God's word into practice and start living it rather than just knowing it, breakthrough. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that's where breakthrough comes. So that's where the, the name of the business came from, breakthrough. Yeah. Um, and that's, I hope to live the rest of my life doing it because it's yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Diane, we've talked a lot. Uh, and I've loved hearing your story. I've loved what it means. I love the fact that you've got to this place of unmasked as a, as a key sort of message that you have for others as they walk through their world. Final question for me. Maybe somebody's listening and they've listened to our conversation now and they, they go, all right, I, I know I'm wearing masks. I know that it's, it's, they're not healthy ones to be wearing. It's becoming part of my identity. Um, and I know that I just know it's not quite there, but, what do I do? What's my first step to actually try and, and, and take a step back? And, and maybe it's quite dramatic and I'm addicted to a whole lot of things and it's, it's really destructive. Maybe it's just I'm, I'm living a life that I know is not really mine that I should be living. Um, what's the first step I should take? Number one, you have to be willing to change. It's, I know that sounds like the second step, in a lot of times, but the willingness to change comes first because, and even in, in, in the 12 steps of AA, step one is you have to be willing mm. because if I'm willing and then I say a, even a short prayer, like God, if you are real, make yourself known to me. I need help. Then because of your willingness, God's able to work in and through you. If you are not willing to change, if you are not willing to address the hard stuff in your life, and it's hard and it's not, it's painful. But trust me when I say that, I mean, I have had two beautiful children. It's painful. Okay. But look at the result. And if you, if you want to go through, you know, there's no quick fix. There is no quick fix. You can be healed like that but then you have to maintain that healing. I was healed of addictions like that, but I couldn't go into the clubs anymore. I had to make changes, you know, otherwise that healing is undone. And I think, um, so for those of you who are listening, if you've been abused, if you are using drugs and alcohol to numb the pain, if you've had destructive relationships or even uh, abortions or miscarriages and your heart is longing, um, can I just say to you, there is hope in Jesus. Find out who he really is. Don't, um, you know, you may have a very distorted view of who God is, that he's out there ready to punish you. He's not. He's ready to embrace you and to love you and to put you alongside people who really know him. Because that's how we were created. He, was, we, he created us to live in safe families, not destructive families. So when we can get around, you know, first, yes, heal me first. Let's deal with what's inside of me and let's do it in community. Wow, that is, to me, that's what I'm longing to see more of that in churches. 
Yeah, wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if maybe right now you, you're like, look, I, I need to chat to someone about that. And you don't have a friend or a family who is mm-hmm. uh, someone who you know is trustworthy to do that, because I think that's a big part of it too. Don't, don't just choose anybody. Choose the one who's trustworthy. Can they, if you don't have anyone like that, this is why our care line is in existence. Uh, we have trained volunteers who are, are there literally just to hear your story to chat with you, to, to be a listening ear, to pray if you'd like them to pray for you and connect you up to somewhere local to, to help you if that's something you'd like. Um, it's really up to where you're at. As we said, it's back to what you're willing to do. Uh, if you need to chat to somebody, here's the phone number, 9583-2273, 9583-CARE, if you use the letter pad on your phone, 9583-CARE. Diane, it has been just wonderful hearing about your book, Unmasked. It's been wonderful hearing about Breakthrough, about all of the various parts of what it is. And thank you for the challenge that you've given us today. We so appreciate it. That's great, Clayton. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, Diane Spicer, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.